Hello and welcome to the NC podcast. My name is Natasha Collins and I am the host and founder of NC Real Estate, which includes its members club for landlords and property investors to come and build profitable property portfolios that completely align with their goals. How did you find last week's podcast? Did you enjoy it where Rach and I sat down and we went through how we were planning our goals for the year? Did you get anything written down? Did you put your goals into different months, into different quarters? How did you find it? If you haven't done it yet, I really, really, really would advise you to go back to last week's podcast and take a listen and start planning how 2020 is going to go for you. What we have to focus on um, whenever we set new goals is carrying them out with an intention. And the intention is about setting tasks, no matter how small, and moving forward with them. And, you know, it doesn't matter what the task is. It really doesn't. But we've got to get out of habits of when our phone has a notification or an email flashes up, we have to reply really quickly because then we're doing things on other people's times. So one thing that I did do this year is I pretty much turned off all notifications for all social media on my phone. So I only jump into social media now if I have to be there and it's on my time, not other people's time. And it makes me feel so much better. And I do not take my phone anywhere near my bedroom anymore. I actually got myself an iPad. Now, There's two reasons for getting an iPad. Number one is because in the US, I have no credit history whatsoever. And when I went out to get a a US mobile phone, I was told that the basic contract was $80, which made me want to die a little bit. I actually showed the guy in the shop that I went to. I was like, can I just get my phone? And for any of you who have a UK phone at the moment, If you have O2, they give you unlimited worldwide access. So you don't pay for anything anywhere else. Um, And it's £32 a month, including the phone. So I was just expecting to get something like that. Um, But anyway, apparently that's not possible in America. So um, instead, they offered me an iPad on a really cheap contract of something like $16 a month, which now builds my credit history so that when I come to do more property projects, I'll actually can show a credit history rather than just being an anomaly. So that was one of the purposes. But number two, it's so that I can have something in my bedroom where when I want to read rubbishy blogs, listen to stupid podcasts, or literally just want to get lost in the YouTube hole, which I do now more than I ever did because I think of an idea and I'm like YouTubing it, that's what I use. It doesn't have any contacts on it. It has its own phone number, which I don't even know what the phone number is. Um, It doesn't have any social media apps on it whatsoever. It's been amazing. Um, So if you can do something like that for yourself and then during the day really focus on your goals, please do make sure that you're doing that and giving yourself a little bit of space. I think 2020 needs to be the year where we take a little bit more time to think about what we're doing and being a bit more reasoned. So hopefully that bit of tip of advice with what I was talking about last week with Rach will really give you some inspiration to keep moving forward. And just a reminder, looking at what everybody else does isn't a reflection of you. 
I have to keep repeating this because I get it, other people get it. When I'm always being told, oh, but Natasha, I've not achieved what so-and-so has. Who cares? At this point, let's make 2020 the year that we do what we want to do on our own terms. Please, let's make that pledge this year because there is no point looking at what someone else says because chances are they've got different resources to you. They've been doing it for a different length of time. They've got different ideas. They've got different goals. Whatever it is, they're not you. You do you this year, please. That's what I beg of you for 2020. Right, let's get on to a really, really exciting topic of mine, which I do not talk about from my experience nearly as much as I should do. So here we go. This is a bit of a New Year's resolution. Commercial property. So if you didn't know, um, I have done some uh, commercial property podcasts. If you remember last year, I had Greg Hunt on. I had David Hunt come on as well. We were talking a little bit about commercial property. I don't think that I've ever done a full-on Natasha Collins talks to you about commercial property. I don't think that's happened. And maybe if it has, it was way back in 2017. So let me give you a background to why I talk about commercial property. And then I will go into some things that you need to know for 2020. And especially if you are in residential property investment and you think, wow, I would actually like to get into commercial property, but I don't know what I'm doing. So let's talk about this. To start off with, I trained as a commercial surveyor. <gasps> I specialized in lease advisory, so 1954 Act leases for commercial tenants. And we'll get into that in a little bit more detail. So I, I'm very good at lease negotiations. Um, rental valuations for commercial tenants. I do property investment strategy, which I've always done for commercial and residential. Um, and also the asset management, which again, I've done for commercial and residential, but I started out in commercial. When I got taken on as a graduate surveyor um, way back, like 10, over 10 years ago now, I was taken on to manage a commercial property portfolio and was just thrust in the deep end. It was kind of a sink or swim mentality. And through the years, I have managed really large commercial property portfolios. I've managed the um, Royal Brompton, so the NHS Trust's portfolio down in Chelsea. Um, that's not just the hospital, that's all of the offices and all of the retail units that go with that. I've been the commercial property manager for the Sloan Stanley Estate and run their whole commercial portfolio for their estate. I've worked with other landlords such as TFL, um, I've worked with Grosner, I've worked with Cadogan on different things, different aspects of commercial property, as well as smaller landlords. I've taken small property portfolios and I've doubled them. I did a portfolio on the King's Road, which was four commercial units and uh, five flats. And we bought that for 4.5 million. Two years later, we sold it for 9 million. This is my background. I've been doing this for the last 10 years. Now, the reason with NC Real Estate that I started focusing on residential is because the residential property investment side of things can be really unregulated. And that hurts my heart because 
There's a way of doing things properly, which just didn't seem to be happening. There's got to be a pride and a duty of care to tenants and standard of property, which I was not seeing, which is why when I started NC Real Estate, I really focused on the residential side of things and started advocating for better ed education, more care in what you were doing, a supportive community for landlords and property investors who just wanted to ask questions and get answers so that they could be the best they possibly could be. And that's where that started. But I also want to introduce commercial and I've been doing this with the members club slowly but surely, whether the members have noticed it or not, I have been dripping in some commercial and actually have got some really great success stories out of my members buying commercial properties. And this is something that they probably didn't think that they were going to get involved in when they first joined the members club. They, they all said to me, Natasha, do you know, I'm just a residential landlord. And then we got a bit excited about commercial. So that's why I'm going to start dropping this into the podcast that I also get excited about commercial. And in fact, you know, I'm a lecturer at the University College of Estate Management. I really do mainly teach my students how to operate commercial leases. Now, there's not a lot of advice out there about this. There isn't really a training program. I mean, if you want to know about commercial in the UK and specifically England and Wales, because Scotland and Ireland have their different have different laws which um, govern commercial leases, you need to do the training of a surveyor, which seems wild. But that's also why usually only the bigger investors invest in commercial and they buy up blocks, patches of land, massive retail parks, massive office developments. And they kind of have always had a bit more of a monopoly over the market. But slowly but surely over the last 18 months to two years, I'd say, I've started to see smaller investors getting involved in commercial property. And I'm not talking commercial to residential development. I couldn't care less about that because I think if you've decided that you're going to be a residential property investor and you want to turn all commercial units into residential, well, you're not really spreading your risk. And if you have ever read about modern portfolio theory, which I get, we are going down a rabbit hole of theory, but in order to build a property portfolio, which is diverse and less risky, you are going to want to have multiple uses in it. So from here on out, I'm going to start including commercial in this. So let's start. Why commercial property investment in 2020? Well, there's a lot of horror stories going around. I've seen it. I read the news. I look at the problems that commercial tenants are having where retailers aren't, having, aren't experiencing the profit that they used to. There's difficulties with the chain restaurants who keep shutting down. Um, there's wobbles around these retailers who have got multiple units. I mean, it's not really a good picture of what commercial property investment is because the first thing that you think is, well, if I was to buy commercial property, my tenants would go bust and then I wouldn't have an income. I get it. But here is the other thing. When we talk about commercial property, we are not just talking about retail, A1 retail with a standard shop in it. We are talking about 
cafes, we are talking about um, takeaways, we're talking about estate agencies, banks, betting shops, you name it, all of these different types, offices, industrial, leisure. We have got so many different options on the table and I now want to get you thinking differently about how commercial property investment works. So firstly, if you're interested in commercial property investment, what you need to be looking for is a commercial property with opportunity. I'll say that again, a commercial property with opportunity. And when I say opportunity, I mean um, some, a commercial property where you can put a new tenant in who's going to be a better quality tenant and a better quality tenant is called a strong covenant tenant or maybe you can increase the rents, or maybe you simply look at it and you think, ah, I could change the tenant mix around in this to make it so that my tenants perform better. And that is what you're looking for when you're buying commercial property investment, because the value from commercial property, and this is global, the value from commercial property comes from your rental income stream, so how much the rent is, obviously the more rent you've got coming in, the higher the value, but that's caveated by the fact that you have to also show that you can have that rental income coming in for a long period of time. So, you know, if you've got £25,000 coming in just for two years, as opposed to £20,000 coming in for the next 20 years, well, what's what's a more valuable property well the one where you've got income coming in for 20 years because you know that's guaranteed the twenty-five thousand for two years well what's going to happen after year two if the tenant is moving out so you want to be maximizing the rental income but also prolonging the length that you're going to get that rental income for and you need to make sure that you have got a tenant in place that is going to be able to pay the rent for that term those are the three things that you need to be making sure with any commercial unit, because that's where the value of the property is going to come from. Now, you may then say, Natasha, well, I don't have any control over whether that tenant's going to pay rent or not. Wrong. That's a completely wrong mindset. What you need to think about, and this is entirely you as a landlord or your property manager, is you have to think about tenant mix strategy. And tenant mix strategy, and if you're a student of mine and you've been listening, you will know how much I bang on about tenant mix strategy and how it's your duty as a property manager or a surveyor to figure out the tenant mix strategy. In order for you to ensure that a tenant is going to stay in place and they're going to keep paying the rent, you need to make sure that you are letting the unit to the right tenant. That is the secret source here. And so how are you going to make sure that you know you're going to do that? Well, firstly, if you're making the decisions as a landlord, you need to have a real interest in the local area. So you need to get out on foot, wander up and down the street and figure out what tenants are thriving and what tenants just aren't working well. And you can do this for any of your retail units or you can do this for your office space. You need to have a look at what is that area suited to tenant-wise? And has there been any change over the last couple of years? You know, what's the cycle in this area? Has it been that five years, a certain type of tenant has really flourished and then 
five years it's all changed in which case might give you a little bit of an indication of where you how long you need the lease to be or when you need to have a break clause you also need to have a look at how many of a certain type of tenant are in an area and this is not a good or bad thing so for example where you have got a design quarter, you have lots of different tenants of really the same type. So they're showrooms. So they would have carpets or rugs or antiques or paint, sh paint shops or furniture shops, bed shops, light shops, you know, anything that you can put in your home or in your garden for the interior design. And that's where you're creating kind of a design hub. Now, if you've got a design hub in a certain location and you're going to only be attracting that sort of tenant, you know that people are going to come to that area specifically for that. Now, you don't want to have too many of the same type of tenants together because when you've got huge amounts of increased competition, all tenants struggle. But if you have a little bit of healthy competition, for example, you have two furniture stores close together, but you have one high end and one lower end, you start to give customers options, in which case they will definitely come to your area because they can get everything they need and look at everything that they want just by simply going to the destination. So that's one way of thinking about tenant mix. Could you could you group all sorts of, of tenants together so that they get their customers to that area for that specific reason? Whereas you might also start to think about, actually, okay, so maybe this isn't a destination area, but what would bring people to this area, footfall, customers? And it might be that you think, hmm, okay, well, if there was a Starbucks here, everybody would want to come and have a Starb come and have a coffee, and then they might hang around. So I can now start thinking about some ingenious tenants to put in the neighboring units. Because having a coffee at Starbucks and someone sitting there and just enjoying their coffee, maybe sat in the window, increases dwell time in the area, which means that they're gonna automatically have a look around and just see what's there, especially if your other tenants are looking pretty nice. So you as a landlord have to be responsible for this because if you market your property right, you're definitely going to have tenants approaching you and say, hey, I would like to occupy this space. Fantastic, great. So that's your first tick you've got an offering from a tenant, but are the, is that tenant the right tenant? Because if they're not the right tenant and they can't get their customers through the door or using their service, they're never going to be able to afford to pay your rent. In which case, you don't have the rental income coming in and you definitely don't have the length of term of that rental income coming in. Do you see where I'm going with this? And this is the exciting thing about commercial property because you're in control you get to make these decisions. And you you might also think, well, do you know what? My, my commercial units aren't in a great location. Okay, fine. But what can you do to bring in the sort of tenants that you want to bring in? Now, here's the next thing that you can do as a landlord. You can think about what incentives you want to offer a commercial tenant to bring them into a space. Now, it may be that you offer rent-free periods, you help them with a fit out, 
You can be as creative as you want, but you need to approach the sort of tenants that you want to have in the space. And here's the thing. If you want to find a commercial tenant and you want to ask them if they want to take your space, just go on LinkedIn and type in acquisitions manager for and then the brand that you're looking at. It really is as simple as that. Um, so you also need to be actively going out and finding these tenants that you think will be suitable. Now, of course, the tenant is going to come and have a look around and they will ultimately make the decision whether it's right for them or not. But you can present a business case as well if that's something that you want to do. You are going to be finding the best tenants for you by being active like this. It's the same thing for office space. Because when you're looking at offices, and one of the things that actually you need to be aware of with offices is usually the director or whoever, the CEO of a company is probably going to take an office space, which is easier for them to get to. Really, that's normally how it works. Um, it might be if they have a satellite office that is not so important, they've put it in a really accessible location. But nine times out of 10, they're looking for somewhere where they can go not too far from home uh, and they might want to park their car there or whatever it is that they want to do. So you need to think about who's running businesses locally. Why do they want to be there? What is attractive about your space? Again, with commercial units, with office space, sorry, you need to think about what tenants would be suitable in your building. So if you've got retail on the ground and basement and whatever use class under the A type from the use class order, and then you've got offices above, you also need to be making sure that tenants complement each other within a building. It's, it's really vital because another thing that can force a tenant out is if they don't get on with their neighbours. And so you need to think about how this would work. For example, if you had a wedding dress showroom on the first floor of a building and you had an Indian takeaway on the ground and basement, they're not going to get on very well because inevitably you get cooking smells out the back of the building because you have the extractor going out the back. And if the windows open and that gets on the wedding dresses, ah, that's a lot of stock that's gone to waste. So you have to think about how those tenants fit together as well. But complementary uses and complementary tenants can also build up each other's business. So you can then start thinking, hmm, how can I put these things together? For example, you think about property. How easy would it be if your solicitor was on one floor and your accountant was on the, other, the floor above? You could organise two meetings at once, perhaps. So you also need to be thinking about that. And it's not as complicated as it sounds. It's really about mapping it out and thinking logically. And I advise you do this before you buy a building. Don't go in there and buy a vacant building and have all these high expectations and then realize that no one's gonna take the unit. You need to do this on a simultaneous basis. So you see a property and then you tentatively reach out to the tenants that you'd like to go in there and you see if there is a match there. That's a really great place to start. If you've already got tenants in the building, which I advise you buy a property which is, is occupied or at least most of the floors are occupied or most of the units are occupied, 
you need to go in there and see what the leases say. How long's left to run on the leases? How, when was the last time they had a rent review, for example? Is there any scope to put the rents up? Are the tenants doing well? Is there any arrears? What's the security? So do you have a large deposit so that if anything goes wrong, you've got money in the bank so that you can go and get a new tenant in? You need to do all of this research because if there's a lease renewal coming up in the next couple of years or there's a rent review, then you can start thinking about, oh, do I have the opportunity here to increase the rent? Again, all of these things are the strategy behind how you can increase the value of your commercial unit. Now, this year, 2020, there's a lot of uh, initiatives going around from the new conservative government who would like to support small businesses, which means that they'll get business rates relief if that comes in. We'll wait and see after Brexit, but they'll also get a lot of help. There's a lot of government funding for small businesses available. So also have a think about that. If it's easier for a small business now to take a space, could you offer them that because they'll have more money available to pay rent? Start thinking about what works in your local area, what tenants you want in that unit and what rental income you'll get and then you're reducing the risk of commercial property investment. These are exciting things. Honestly, it's a lot of fun when you get in there. And I know you're buying an investment and all investment is risky. But choosing the right property is really only the first 25% of it. It's these tenants that you get in which are the most important. So focusing on and thinking about tenant mix is really what is going to boost your business. So that is why commercial property investment is so exciting in 2020. You have so much opportunity. Now, a couple of things that you do need to watch out for, 1954 Act, and you need to know about the 1954 Act because that governs commercial leases in England and Wales. Um, there's two types. You can either have inside or outside the Act leases. Inside the Act leases, the tenants have the right to renew business tenants have the right to renew at the end of the lease. So you just need to be aware of that and what the trigger mechanisms are. Um, you also need to be aware that it will be very difficult to find lending on a vacant commercial property. It's far better if you can buy a property with tenants already in and then maneuver them around. Also, just remember that you'll need a roughly a 40% deposit and a lot of banks at the moment are doing part repayment mortgages and part interest only mortgages. So those are things that you need to be aware of. So I hope that has got you excited for investing in commercial. If this has been something that you've decided, hey, do you know what? Actually, I do want to move into commercial and diversify my risk in property investment. Then now is as good time as ever, especially because lending is still pretty cheap. Now, if I've inspired you and you're thinking, Natasha, uh, okay, well, how am I going to take this forward? I have something for you that literally is only open for the next two days. Um, and this is for property investors who want to buy their next commercial property investment. So this is for you if you have literally just been investing in residential property, but you want to shift over to commercial I am running a commercial property investment mastermind this year for the next 12 months. And from that, you will be guided through everything that you need in order to buy your next commercial property investment this year. Now, 
you will be able to set your goals, pick the income you want with commercial property that it's always a you well, usually if you pick right, you get you get the higher income. One of my clients who just bought a commercial in a commercial property has now generated a monthly net income of £1,800 from their commercial property investment. So there's a lot of scope for higher income generation, but you just have to do this correctly. So if you want me to work with you on that over the next 12 months, I am running a commercial property investment mastermind. And to apply for that, because applications only, you need to go to ncrealestate.co.uk forward slash mastermind. That's ncrealestate.co.uk forward slash mastermind. The application process is only open until January the 16th at 11pm UK time. So make sure you get your applications in by then. So I hope this podcast has been really useful for you as kind of an introduction to what you need to be looking for in terms of commercial property. Again, if you want to join the mastermind, I'm going to put the link below. Um, and start thinking about where you would invest and what kind of tenants you would put in your unit. Thank you for listening this week. It's been an absolute pleasure and I can't wait to catch up with you again soon.